Welcome to Into the Known, a podcast focused on helping you find the known within you. With you today are your hosts, Cindy and Lisa, and we have a very special guest, Eagle Skyfire. Eagle Skyfire is a powerful shaman, seer, and traditional keeper, as well as a sought-after teacher, reader, spiritual leader, and speaker on Native American traditions and spirituality. In addition, she's published her first book, called Journeying Between the Worlds, Walking with the Sacred Spirits Through Native American Teachings and Practices. You can hear her weekly on her YouTube channel at Eagle Skyfire at 8 o'clock Eastern on Monday nights. And you can learn more about her at her website, eagleskyfire.com, or at Eagle Skyfire on Instagram and Facebook. And listeners, if you've been paying attention, I've mentioned Eagle Skyfire many times because she was my uh, shamanic teacher back when I was a wee one in my 20s. So we're very happy to have you here. Thanks for being a part of the show. You know, it's, it's good to back be back here again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, talking with you, and it's just a, a delight, Lisa. You haven't aged a bit, and my goodness, yeah. I can see by your aura how much you've grown. So I'm <laughs> being here. And uh, talk about it. So with that, uh, where would you like for me to begin? So I'm just going to ask, can you start by sharing a little bit about what shamanism is, how you got into it? And I am also just super curious what a tradition keeper is. I think I know. I think it's like the obvious answer, but I also would love to know what that means. Absolutely. So shamanism uh, is really two things. The first of all is one is born with a predisposition for shamanic gifts, just like some would be as a medium, as a seer, as a channeler. And then also, too, once a person is trained, then depending on the tribe or the tradition, they become a shaman, which is a type of spiritual healer. So, you know, if if you wish, I could always go into what the hallmarks would be if you're born with shamanic gifts. So with that, one of the major ones that you'll find is that, especially when you're little, uh, you might find you've always had this ability to speak with animals, trees, sense the way of the earth and sky and have different types of spirits visit you, including those who have crossed over. In addition to this, you might have found yourself walking in what we call the dream time, which I know in this culture they like to call alternate reality. Once you are trained, then these gifts can be used to become as a bridge between the worlds. And there's two basic forms of practicing that. One is as a tradition keeper, and the other one is as a neo-shaman. So when you're saying tradition keeper, realize that shamanism itself is a way of being, a way of practice that is indigenous to all cultures, your ancestors, my ancestors, all how to form of it. And a tradition keeper is, as you know, as it sounds, uh, this is a person who has been chosen, uh, in my case, by the elders of the tribe to be able to remember, to recite, to live, and to pass on those teachings and practices so they can help future generations and all that is. I absolutely love that. And I love, I just, I have so many questions. Um, So did you grow up in a tribe of some sort? What is your heritage? Who are you associated with? I'll start there. Absolutely. Well, actually I'm a mixed heritage. So my mother's European and my father's native. And so I grew up with both cultures. So if you will, uh, it was very kind of difficult at times because let us say that the Western culture is not always as receptive to the type of spiritual practices that do not meet, uh, I'm going to say, major religions, where uh, with on my father's side, I was able to study and to grow. So with that, I've walked with many nations and been given permission to share. So that's why when I share with you, 
It is cultural appreciation, not cultural appropriation. And so it goes from the Inca to the Maya, to the Taino, to the Cherokee, to the uh, Anishinaabe. And I am also adopted into the Bear Clan uh, by a powerful spirit man, uh, my uncle Ted Silverhand, uh, Iroquois. So Tuscarora tribe, Six Nation. So I can continue onwards. Uh, I'm what they call a twisted hair, where I walk the red road, the tradition of the Native Americans, but the different tribes. And I go carrying the different tribes and stories as, as has been given permission to me. Uh, which when I wrote my first book drove the editors absolutely nuts because they wanted this, they wanted that. And I said, I'm so sorry, we have to go back to tribal deliberation to see what we, what we can share with you folks. And it was funny because I could not understand that idea of tribe. <laughs> really? That's oh, yeah. interesting. Well, oh, yeah. it's, be it's become a faux pas word in the last few years um, where because of cult cultural appropriation, a lot of people aren't really using it very much. So I'm loving that you're using it. It is also reminding me of one of my grad school professors who wanted to study, I forget which tribe it was now, she wanted to understand how kids got secret knowledge. And so it's interesting to hear you talk because now I'm like mapping on her 1970s experiment or experience of really wanting to understand that. So this is, this is really cool for me. <laughs> with that, when I bring this, I bring with permission, the teachings of what we call the good red road, which is Native American spirituality. And of course, with being a shaman, uh, acting as a bridge between the world of this 3D place and of other realms. So realize that what we know as our beautiful earth mother is just a teeny tiny college within a much vast multi-dimensional university. So I always have to laugh now, which what is very vogue with the, with the multiverse and so forth. It's, it's so nice for a modern day to catch up with ancient wisdom. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. When that word came around, I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> yes. Grow, this, growing yes. up reading paranormal, it was such a normal, it was a normal word for me. So like when it became mainstream, I was very happy. So my starting point with shamanism is very much pop culture. So it's very much like where it's gotten used in different television shows. And obviously what you're talking about, completely different, very different um, approach and everything. Do you find a lot of people come to you and are, ex are expecting this very Hollywood interpretation of what a shaman is? I'll, I'll be very PC and say that Hollywood has done me no favors. Or oh, it's done none of us favors. <laughs> uh, where one of the major myths uh, is, well, actually I mentioned three major myths that uh, I, regardless of, traditional or neo that we have to overcome. Uh, the first one is that we're usually stoners, that you've got to be stoned or take some sort of substance to have hallucinogenic blah, blah, in order to have an experience. And the answer to that is absolutely not. Um, there are some tribes and traditions that we'll use for them. It's a sacrament to take this. There's always a ceremony and an honoring to take this. But I come from a tradition where that is not the case because I also like to work with people who are trying to overcome addictions and so forth. And you have the spirit within you. Uh, the second one is that the shaman is some sort of uh, wackadoo, you know, that has mm. absolutely no social skills, absolutely has no idea how the 21st century works. When the reality uh, is that in order for a shaman to be useful, they have to be, in my tribe, initiated twice in the orders determined by the great spirit, by the way that we would call creator, uh, once is by the spirits, because what good is it if your people love you, but you have no access beyond 3D? Mm -hmm. And then the other one is by your people. What good is it if you can walk amongst the cosmos, but you have no one who's going to be receptive? 
So the idea of being able to be as a bridge is what shamanism is, not just banging a drum. And that is the third one I'd have to say is that idea of, you know, you're just, you're banging a drum and you're always zoned out on the other side. And that is definitely not true. That would make us imagine a bridge that has only uh, one abutment and mm-hmm. is a platform. And that's what that would be. So when you're asking that, I love that question because I find that I have to educate people uh, myth busting uh, before I can actually get down and help them. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Myth busting. Maybe we should change our names in the... <laughs> I don't know. I don't really need the Mythbusters coming after us with the cease and desist. I know, right? <laughs> you know, spiritual Mythbusters. Right. Let's make a little note. Mm-hmm. And shamanism is becoming more, I'm going to say, popular in vogue, mm-hmm. if you will. So what I find is there is a difference, something that's relatively new, and is the idea of the shamanic practitioner. So would it be all right if I share the difference of what is a traditional shaman versus a neo-shaman? Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Okay, because what you'll see there uh, outside, uh, I'm going to say, in in, in the wild, uh, (laughs) in the modern culture, I'm going to say probably a good 90% of it is what they call neo, meaning new, neo-shamanism. And neo-shamanism, what they did is that there are different uh, teachers and traditions that explored indigenous shamanism from around the world. So German, Russian, Japanese, my culture. And what they did is they stripped the cultural connotations, but kept the mechanism. Mm. So what happens is that it is valid. It does work. I'm going to say it, you know, with that in mind. So versus the traditionalist, which is someone like myself who is beholden to a people. And also to the major difference that I found, and I'm dating myself way back in the day when the dinosaurs still roared upon the earth. <laughs> Michael Harner, who was considered to be the grandfather of neo-shamanism when he was starting his practices. And I remember going with my chief as a young apprentice with some of my tribesmates and other apprentices, and they did a demonstration of uh, neo-shamanism. And I remember I just raised my hand because I had an honest question, which was uh, to Michael Harner, uh, you know, how how do you know who you're talking to? Mm -hmm. And his students almost jumped up and down all over me. And, uh, And Michael made them to be, be at peace. And he said, you don't, they're archetypes, unless if you build personal relationships. And I'll never forget that in that moment, those of us who were there for my nation fell silent. And in the native way, when we fall silent, it means we honor you have a voice, but we won't add ours to yours. So that's where you get the uh, stereotype of the stoic silent Indian from, by the way, folks. Mm. And so the neos have the advantage they can mix and match and have things work. But the disad is that unless if they go out of their way to learn who they're talking to or make a personal relationship with the divine being or spirit being, it can be a little bit of the joker's wild as to who's showing up and do you know who you're talking to. The traditionalist, which again, your, your people, my people, we are beholden. So it's not only to a tradition and to a culture, but there's also a sacred covenant that is made between that shaman and the sacred spirits who watch over. So in my case, it would be the seven arrows who we say, watch the directions, the four directions, Earth Mother, Sky Father, and the Creator Spirit. So since there's that sacred agreement, when I, and uh, Lisa can attest to this, when I called the ceremony and called the seven, you can feel that they come. Mm-hmm. So the advantage is that there's a sacred covenant. The disadvantage is that I don't necessarily have that liberty to mix and match like the mm-hmm. neo. Yeah. 
That's interesting. How did you form the relationship? Was it during your apprenticeship that you formed relationship with the? Well, the... I can see since I was a child, yeah. um, the different spirits were already showing up. And again, as an innocent, I didn't always understand. I just knew that these were the wolf spirits or these were the grandmothers and grandfathers. And with that, uh, the elders and the teachers uh, mm -hmm. saw that I had that affinity. And already that the spirits, I can honestly say the spirits made the relationship with me first. And then the okay. second was when I was initiated by the tribe. I got you. I had a question. Um, I have a lot of questions. Yeah, I love questions. <laughs> I, hope I have a lot of answers. You first. <laughs> um, so it's interesting to hear the difference between neo-shamanism and traditional shamanism because it, it gives me context to people I've met that identify as being a shaman but don't have the heritage or the culture or the traditional experience that I would associate with it. So that's that's really helpful. Has the role of the shaman within the traditional space changed over time as I mean, obviously it has to, you have, you're staying in present time, you're staying up to date with technology, you're keeping that really great balance with spirit and people. Has its role within the community shifted over time? Yes and no, um, because let's face it, people probably still have the same problems, issues, questions, and stresses that they've had since we've probably come out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> but it has changed in regards to uh, people have become very disconnected with their hearts. They live in their heads. They become disconnected with earth and sky and forgotten that they, they are a child of this world and that there are greater powers within them. The creator gave them the gift of life and the power to create or to let go and destroy. So people have forgotten where to focus in order to have a meaningful life. So I would say the role of the shaman still has the ways of soul retrieval, power retrievals, relaying the messages from the spirits and from the people to the spirits, but helping for people to, the biggest job I find now is helping for people to listen to their hearts and have the mind not try to dominate. So heart and head can go in harmony and then the hands can know when to act and when to be still. Oh, I like that. I, I know like that's that. my favorite saying from you, really. That is absolutely my favorite. I, I hearts and minds. <laughs> it's great. I, I love that. You said soul retrieval and power retrieval, which reminded me another aspect of the Hollywood shaman is the vision quest. So can we put some truth around the vision quest space? Okay. So Hollywood, of course, takes what they think is sexy and then, you know, they just do their thing. Um, vision quest is actually a sacrament. It is a sacrament very much. So like it would for many other religions, even though ours is a spiritual pathway. So it is a sacrament where you study, uh, and I do it perform it in the old way. They would have to walk with me for one full year. And in that year seeing, because think about it in vision quest, you're going out and you're asking for the creator and the creation to stop and to look at you and to listen to you. So this is formulating the prayers and also mentally and physically conditioning the person. Because when they're out there in the old way, they're going to be out there four nights, four days with no food alone. Although we are like the Cheyenne, we do allow water if they choose to take it. So that idea of the vision quest of crying for a vision, whether it be your name, your purpose, or what have you, is something that is very profound. And what I find in these modern times, because everybody wants to make quick and a make in a hurry, is that they are misnaming retreats, which are very valuable, but misnaming them as vision quests. Yeah, 
I mean, I can speak to my experience because that's what I did. I I studied with Eagle Skyfire for a year and then I did my my vision quest with her. And it really was um it was really a profound experience, honestly. Like I I really for me it was like a big fear-facing moment <laughs> for four days of going, all right, facing my fears, facing my but interspersed with that were some amazing moments of you know, hearing spirits in the background. I had this incredible porcupine just wander across where I was staying. I'm like, oh, hello. hello. <laughs> and then I, the biggest gift I got from it was um, just Mother Earth just held me the whole time. I'm not getting teary talking about it, but it was amazing. Amazing. <laughs> it's a profoundly sacred time. And that's, again, so I've, I've seen, you know, people with vision quests and you can go for a weekend and uh, I guess I have become my grandmother and I have, I am an elder now. And I just kind of like, you'll see the eyebrow just disappear into my hair. Like what? <laughs> but again, I encourage any of you that truly, if you're called to retreat, uh, but if it is led by someone who is say that they are shaman or in, in the neo context, a shamanic practitioner, please, I beg of you see their lineage, who their teachers were and how qualified they are to take care of your body, mind, and spirit before you go out there. I really, really love that. I, it's it's so fascinating because I've never spoken with somebody that is as an adult that is a shaman from a lineage like you. I've met a few that are shamanistic practitioners. I think that's what you just called them. And it's fascinating because I've I've had the opportunity to travel to different parts of the world throughout my my undergrad and graduate school experience and got to learn different stories. And so as you're talking different stories are like starting to emerge in my mind of like, oh, these are things that have actually influenced me, but I didn't realize they're in influencing me at the time. Because a lot of what you're sharing is parallel. I, and I'm not going to speak for Lisa, but a lot of it's paralleled ideologically to my personal beliefs, as well as like the way in which I'd like to see people practice. And you had mentioned the Mayan, and that's just an affinity point for me. Like that is of every culture on the planet, that's the culture that I've had an affinity for, for as long as I can remember. And so when you mentioned that, I got a little excited. Um, so just wanted to share that. But I also wanted to ask, when clients are coming to you that are not part of your community, like Lisa, I'm imagining you are not part of her community unless there's something missing there. No, I was introduced to Eagle Skyfire by a friend and he goes to me, Lisa, get a reading. You got to get a reading. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll get a reading. <laughs> I love that. So what does that look like? What is getting a reading with you, Eagle Skyfire, look yeah. like? Because I imagine it's different than when somebody comes to me and Lisa with, for a reading. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, I think it'd be really fascinating for me. So I'll share from my side and then be very fascinating from, from Lisa's side uh, from there. But in the native way, because uh, again, the way that I perform them, I've been given permission and uh, to do a, a couple forms off of the reservation. So it is literally living history. That's a number one. It is literally living history. It's been done for centuries. And we do not believe in fortune telling. Uh, what we believe in is the great spirit, again, the creator by any name that you would call, gives you lessons to learn. But since we've got the gift of free will, uh, you choose on how you're going to manifest that. So with that, I perform a blessing. We always begin and end with a blessing. I talk very specifically to your guardian spirit. And in turn, I get shown what are things that are important for you to know. And there's always times for questions. So um, really, it's a form of, of spiritual consultation in order to empower you. So that would be for my end. So I don't know. I, I would love, Lisa, now I'm curious, my end, since yes. you can the other side of it, what would you say is a, is a native reading and what's it different like from other types of readings? That you've yeah, 
I, I feel like the difference is that spirit to spirit communication with the guides and ancestors and things like that, that, that is the difference. I think it's sort of, it's this group, almost like a group discussion in a way, like what's going on with your council. Yeah. Right. So that, that's different where I, I feel like where Cindy and I sort of grab or are practicing right now is more of a spirit to spirit hello with the person in front of us, like really saying hello to their spirit and their higher self. And, you know, just sort of that one, one vertical. Um, but from an experience standpoint, I think the most um, wonderful thing for me was, well, you, you do get a spiritual hello, right? As me as sitting in front of you, I was like, Oh, I was seen. Wow. <laughs> and then the, the more, that is of me was seen, which never had happened before. I mean, I was, you know, I grew up in a very staunch Catholic household. And so this experience was very eye-opening and really was, uh, I call it chapter two in my spiritual journey, right? So chapter one was Catholicism, chapter two was shamanism. (laughs) Um, And it was just, it was great. And I still remember, and I'm still working on it, Eagle Skyfire, you said to me, you said, it's time to put down these burdens. And that has stayed with me all these years. And I and I remember in the reading going, okay, I'll put them down. I'm like, I'm like carrying suitcases. Like, I'll just drop them. Like, okay. <laughs> but it wasn't that kind of. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, yeah, it was it was wonderful. I highly recommend getting a reading. Thank you. And that's easily done. Um, by the way, if, if somebody goes to my website uh, through the calendar, and I do virtual. So I actually have clients around the world. So I've counseled people literally from around the world. And it's been my pleasure to speak to people from different countries and different points of view. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. So within your session, is there healing that also goes on? Is it predominantly communication, combination of both? Um, it's definitely both. So again, with doing the blessing and then connecting with, with the sacred ones, you can definitely feel not only that I see you, which uh, again, fun factoid is where Avatar got it from. I see oh, you. Interesting. But also too, with that, uh, connecting with your guardian spirit. So that way to get a deeper insight to what's going on with you karmically. So you get to understand why things are going on in that regard. And then the different avenues by which you can, I'm going to say what to look at and make the best possible choices. I love that. That's, that's great. So is that Lisa has this great question here. What is your practice focused on? Is your practice, I I feel like you kind of have a lot of things under your umbrella that it's not just one thing that you're doing because you've got your communities and a variety of different tribes you're working with as well as I would say the lay person or something. What does this all look like? Well, what I would say to you is in regards to that. So again, going to the readings and the healing is going to skip back to that before we skip forward uh, is that, yes, there, I do definitely channel healing energy in addition to the messages. So you can definitely feel the difference when you are in session with me. And that is separate though. Some people will seek me for shamanic healing. So that is completely separate. So even though the readings perform a a sense of balancing and attunement, and for those who have have been with me can attest to that experience, there could be some where it's a completely different type of healing, uh, whether it be past life work, uh, there could be attachments, there could be again, soul retrievals and things along this line. In addition to this, uh, I also, every moon to allow for people to get in sync, I'm a sacred timekeeper. I also have meditations and workshops that teach about the medicine wheel to get you in sync with your own higher self and in harmony with the earth and all that is. 
So I've got community work. Uh, I have the different teachings and classes, workshops and things to do virtually and in person. So uh, I love to keep busy. I love interacting with people and helping to elevate them so they can live their best possible lives. And so Lisa came to you, obviously, because somebody was like, you need to go get a reading from this woman. She's amazing. And I can see why that was suggested to you, Lisa. Um, what are most people coming coming to you for specifically? Is it like, oh, they want a shaman healing? They want a reading? They've, they've met you through these community outreach programs? Ooh, that's a very good Events. question. <laughs> very good question. I would have to say, you know, just thinking about it, people come to me because they want to be made whole. They want to find their life purpose. Maybe they're overcoming some sort of wound of childhood, generational, or trauma. Maybe they are coming to grow their spiritual gifts. I do private mentoring. So they come here for, for growing their spiritual gifts. Uh, sometimes they realize that they are spiritually gifted, shamanic or otherwise. I teach intuitive development. And they're realizing, you're a wizard, Harry. You know, you're, no, you're not nuts. <laughs> and I assure them <laughs> on how they can use these gifts so that it enriches their lives. It does belong in the 21st century and not separate in a box somewhere. Absolutely love that. I love that. Everything you do, just the tapestry that's created in my mind's eye is so beautiful and so intricate. And I would love, I know Lisa's story. She's She shared it today and she shared it with me offline as well. Do you have other stories that come to mind of your clients or like when you're explaining to somebody like this is how I've supported this person? I, I imagine you don't really have to qualify your experiences given who you are, but I'm just curious if there's things that jump out to you. Gosh, that is such a broad question because uh, it's been how many decades worth. Uh, so I would have to say that the, the, I'm going to put two broad brushes to that one and and also, too, because I'm also uh, very, very uh, specific about privacy. So without having somebody's exact permission, I will never speak in, in specifics that way. But uh, very much so where I found where, where people, I think I support them in the sense that they are trying to discover the life purpose, how to live it and liberate themselves from their baggage. And I have something called the sacred round of heaven and earth. It's an intensive nine month study, like, like, and literally it's a rebirthing at the end of it, where you constantly create your divine contract, where you begin to realize who you are, what you are, letting go of, of the old in that way is definitely one of them. So a whole variety and being a sacred timekeeper, I love helping people to be, I'm going to say, when I say on time takes on a totally different meaning. And I've had some students uh, teasingly call me Dr. Strange for that reason. <laughs> and the other one I'd have to say is uh, typically paranormal, uh, helping to connect people with uh, spirits or going to different locations uh, and helping for spirit communications, whether it be uh, releasing attachments or one funny story that I'll mention was one time there was a household where they were building, uh, extending their house. And then there, there was some disturbances, but the weird part was that the small, they had small children as a young family and their dogs kept on laughing and smiling and wagging the dogs, wagging the tail and so forth, but there would be mishaps. So it happened. Then they smudged and things got a thousand times worse. Well, when I went on site, it's because it was a native American ancestor of the land. So when they were using smudge and telling that ancestor of the land to leave, can you imagine being told to get out of your own house by misappropriation of your own culture? This is why the ancestor was angry. So once I had paved the way between them, it was beautiful because that grandfather spirit of the land became a protector of that family and of the land 
I had them plant a fruit tree in the ways of peace that would help the animals and feed the family. And they prospered. They literally prospered in every single way possible once that understanding was made. That is, I don't have words for that story. <laughs> I know, it's a great story. I um, ancestors, okay, this is where I get a little bit lost sometimes is the relationship with ancestors because there's this idea of um, the past in a way can hold you back right? Like there's things that you have in the past and is every relationship with an ancestor to your best interest to help you sort of move forward? Or can you get, can, can you both be stuck, right? <laughs> the well, that's, a good, that's a good question. So what I need to do is really clarify. Mm. So there's ancestor with a small a, which, uh, cause there's not really a word in this culture would qualify not only as your blood ancestors, this could be people who were significant in your life. So it doesn't have to be blood ancestor versus uh, ancestor with a capital A, AKA sacred ancestor, uh, which are beholden to the land or ancient spirits. Mm. So two different things. So when it comes to ancestor with a small A, it all depends on the ancestor because once you no longer are in physical form, what personality they had in life, they've got no inhibitions, honey. It just becomes enhanced <laughs> after death. <laughs> So if it was a good relationship, then they can enhance. And if it was a bad one or they were controlling, they can try to get in the way. So for any of you who would welcome an ancestor, small a, I would say check with somebody who is either a medium or shaman because you want that soul to have been purified. We say they have to go one year from the anniversary of their spirit day, the day they died, to be refreshed and to be attuned to spirit energy. Because otherwise, if they try to connect or hold on to somebody who then they become earthbound and they can interfere with their evolution and harm the person they're attached to, mm. uh, as opposed to one who has gone on and then they return with a more enlightened viewpoint and they are higher soul and they can be very helpful, but still very as opinionated in spirit life as they were in physical life. Uh, a sacred ancestor, again, capital A, is when you and all of us have had this experience when you connect with the land and you can feel a greater spirit within the trees or the waters, very deep or profound or the mountains. Then here in my tradition, we would offer gifts of beauty. It could even be a song. It could be the gift of water to the tree or to the animals. And in turn, they come to bless and to teach if they welcome uh, your attentions. Mm. Yeah, I feel that when I go to um, the high desert plateaus out here, like uh, I go to Bishop and there's a stillness there that I can't explain that it, I don't experience anywhere else. It's wonderful. So thank you for remember, remind, reminding me to do that. <laughs> <You're> welcome. <laughs> I love that. And Lisa, you at times do embody that stillness. I don't know if no, you know this, but I you, don't. you do. Um <laughs> I will say that from personal experience. Uh, you do a lot, Eagle Skyfire. What are your three favorite things at present time in 2023, summer, that you're really, really enjoying? Let's see. I think the first one, believe it or not, uh, is the videos and things that I create because it allows for me to really connect with the larger audience. So again, that blending of the ancient uh, with the with the 21st century, I must say 23rd century, but I'm getting ahead of myself, no pun intended. I, I tend to sing forward, forwards and backwards in time between future and past lives. Uh, so that would be my number one, believe it or not. Number two, 
uh, would be in doing the readings and shamanic healings, because for each life that there's an ease of suffering and the light bulb goes on and just this being whole, it helps for our planet to heal. And then third would be the sharing of the ancient teachings in ways, because this is a practice and it is a practice that is open to everyone. It's meant to allow for you to connect with sacred self. And my Mohawk teachers have a saying that is important to live by, which is the tree should never grow as tall as its roots go deep. So with the idea of connecting deeply with spiritual practice, as well as being practical at the same time, you have one life. It is all to come together. So I really enjoy sharing the ancient teachings and talking. That's why I'm just delighted to be allowed to be here with you today. I, I'm so grateful for that. I love that. I, I also love that you enjoy sharing the information because you don't have the I know everything energy about you of like, nobody can have this. You're very, very open about how this is a part of our world and we can all embrace it. I really appreciate that perspective. Mm -hmm. And I, I really appreciate because it, it echoes my own feeling of when you heal yourself, you heal the planet, right? So as you grow and evolve and change and drop the old and you know embrace the you that is truly you um it really makes a profound difference that was my other there were two like incredible moments with the uh, eagle skyfire one was my <laughs> reading and well three i should say the other one was my vision quest but the third we were in ceremony together of the group you know our group and you had asked us all to create to uh create an intention something like that and so i remember like you know, bowing my head down and really like focusing, like truly and really speaking from the heart, like I really did. And I said, I want to know who I truly am. And the world stopped. <laughs> <laughs> when I said those words, I was, words and I was like, oh my God, what did I do? Um, but, <laughs> but that put me on this trajectory of where, I mean, that was, that was my course setting um from that moment until this moment and on like I'm not done yet <laughs> but that was you know you the the practice this this time uh studying these things is really a wonderful way to open yourself up to who you truly are and that's that was one of my wonderful lessons from this whole experience so thank you yeah. no I, I appreciate it and that's the thing with shamanism is that uh you know studying shamanism and perhaps if you choose to walk with a shaman, the idea of being able to connect to heaven and earth, both within you and around you, uh, the benefits are tremendous because although we all get swept up in the, the treadmill, or I like to call the dreadmill of the 21st century, it allows for you to walk into that forever time to remember what really matters, to connect with yourself and all that is, and remember that we are really one planet, one people, one creation. And for me, that is the heart and soul of shamanism. I feel like mic drop, we could be done. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> I did I did have one more question. As people are going and looking for practitioners of of all sorts, we like to offer guidance in either things to avoid, which would be my question, is within neo-shamanism, are there things that are easily to identify that people want to avoid? Or what are things people should look for if this is part of their journey and pathway aside from reaching out to you directly? Well, no, I appreciate it. And it's another good question. So I think uh, what I'm going to share can go beyond seeking a shaman just at, at large. 
Um, the first one is if you have anyone who insists that you have to believe and shut down your critical thinking. Okay, an open skeptical mind is necessary because the truth will always stand. So if you test the truth respectfully, it's going to be there. The second thing will be that they insist that you, there's only one way or their way and that you need to follow because the mark of a true shaman is one that my job as a bridge between the worlds is for help for you to become whole, to empower you to become all whom you were meant to be, not to follow me. And then the third thing that I would say is a shaman that insists that you have to be stoned or that things can only be done one way or only on spirit side. And that point, since we did not earlier in the program, you know that they are following Hollywood. This is not real. So always check their lineage and who they studied with. That would be the biggest thing. I would say this, I like common sense. Imagine if you were going for a very specific medical procedure, right? You wouldn't just pull a name out of a hat, I hope. I would think that you would research who they studied with. What are their techniques? What is the potential impact on you and in turn your loved ones by engaging with this person? These are the same questions that should be asked when you're seeking a shaman or really any spiritual professional. You are correct. These are not just applicable to shamanism. This is applicable to any sort of spiritual practice or religious practice or ideological approach. Thank you. I really appreciated the first the first one. I forget how you worded it now, but basically use your common sense and like use your intellectual brain. And I personally really appreciate that. And also to realize that something is going to resonate. If something deep down, you can call it in your gut, you feel it in your bones, doesn't feel right. It doesn't resonate. I call it the resonance with the capital R. If it doesn't resonate, when in doubt, leave it out. You have some of the best sayings. Like, honestly, like I'm here, I'm here just for these little tidbits of like, <laughs> that's a blurb. That's a blurb. Is that a quote <laughs> on her social media? It needs to be like, this is great. Well, you know what? I, I carry the uh, centuries with me, but uh, social media, I'm still getting the hang of that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think I'm the youngest one in the room and I still have a hard time with social media. So oh, delegation a, and outsourcing comes in handy. It is a wave, social media. <laughs> you got, it's, a, it's a big wave to ride. Yeah. <laughs> and get swept up in. Mm -hmm. Those are all my questions, Lisa. Additional yeah, I, I don't have any other questions. Oh, actually, that's not true. I do have the, your name change. Because when I studied with you, your name was uh, Shadow Wolf, and now it's Eagle Skyfire. Can you explain the transition that you went through to, to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So the first name is, is a dead name. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, in my tradition, you can't choose your name. You can't choose mm -hmm. to suddenly change it. So what happens uh, typically is that if there's a profound experience where the actual soul essence of the person is changing, uh, the different energy and what's coming to them is changing, it was actually the elders, uh, it was actually the Council of Three Rivers that came together and uh, said that I needed to go on vision quests. They came to me. Mm. And then with, through the different visions and prayers, uh, different observation through time, uh, this is the name that came. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I ran like crazy for two years from it too. I did. <laughs> uh, because it's a name that has a lot of responsibility attached to it. And said, like, uh, you sure you got the right girl? Because I still lose my house keys and I get bullied by my parrot. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Are you sure? But uh, after I stopped running and resisting, um, I grew into it. And I'm grateful to be able to carry it with honor mm -hmm. and uh, honoring my teachers and the ancestors. 
Yeah, I just I love this story because it shows um, evolution, right? Because I think there's a preconception in shamanism, like that it's almost unchanging, right? Like, but it's not. It's it's there's evolution in the shaman themselves as they grow and learn, um, and then they can bring even more gifts to the community that they that they serve. So I just that's why I wanted to bring well, that. I, I appreciate it because again, for me, it was really I never it, it was a surprise to me, you mm -hmm. know. I was approached by the elders and I probably had the eyes as big as a baby owl going, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then having to undergo uh, the different rituals and, and then ultimately going on the vision quest and then uh, being the ceremony mm -hmm. to be initiated into my name and, and the removal of, of the old one. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a good question for you. And that's why I find it very interesting that names have power. Names have mm -hmm. power. So this is the reasons as to why consider if you have a spirit name, there's some of you, depending on the practice, might have a spirit name. Um, it is more true to your essence. So, you know, share it with those who are worthy mm. because it is truly holds the essence and the resonance of who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. Okay, that was my last question. <laughs> Eagle Skyfire, is there anything we have not brought up, asked about, et cetera, that you think we should have or that you want to share with us? Uh, well, what I would say to you is that if you feel that you have a predisposition towards shamanism, right, I really encourage you to, you know, again, research the teacher and see what calls to you. Is it neo-shamanism or is it going to be traditional shamanism? because each one will have their flavor and really explore, learn, grow. And even if you choose not to be a shamanic practitioner or what have you, and the word shaman is borrowed anyway, then you will have found a practice that helps you to connect with your greater self and with all that is in harmony. So it, it, I can't say enough about encouraging everyone to explore what their heart calls them to. Thank you. And thank you for joining us today. So Eagle Skyfire, you are the first traditional shaman I've met. And I am beyond grateful that Lisa has introduced us together. And Lisa, thank you for constantly sharing your shamanism uh, experiences across the show, across the years. Thank you both so much for everything. And you can find Eagle Skyfire on, on her YouTube channel on Monday evenings live, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's Eagle Skyfire. Today is Monday. I'm anticipating joining tonight. Wait, you wait, can... wait. I'm going to jump in. <laughs> I just wanted to interrupt your flow. <laughs> Sorry, Cindy. Um, Go for just it. Say, um, in Eagle Skyfire's live events on Monday nights, you can actually ask questions. So it is an interactive um, in, in engagement, which is wonderful, especially if you're trying to figure out if this is something you want to dive into. So, And then you can also find Eagle Skyfire on Instagram and Facebook at Eagle Skyfire, as well as her website, EagleSkyfire.com, which is amazing. It has a ton of resources. Everything she has shared with us today is also on there. And you can learn a lot about what she does in her own lineage there as well. And you can find her book, which I'm very excited about, which is called Journeying Between the Worlds, Walking the Sacred Spirits Through Native American Teachings and Practices. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we encourage you to give us a review, hit the thumbs up, forward it to that one friend that you think could benefit from shamanism, learning about it, whether it's traditional or neo or otherwise. You can find Lisa and me on Instagram at 
insight and harmony for Lisa at into underscore the underscore known for myself. Otherwise, we hope you have a wonderful day when you listen to this. And until next time, enjoy the wander.